Welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we explore Oscar-winning actors and the embarrassing films they'd rather forget. I'm your host, Michelle, the bouncing baby whose whole body inflates into a giant ball. And I'm Henry, the baby that turns smart and then accomplishes absolutely nothing with it. Uh, I, I, I have feelings about this. Very I have much. lots of things to say about what we just did to ourselves and about to do to the audience. Hi, everybody. It's been a minute. Hi, friends. Took a brief hiatus, but don't worry. We made it super worth it because we picked uh, a movie that I believe the entire world holds in high, high esteem. This mm-hmm. may be the lowest rated movie we have ever watched. Yes, I think that is correct. Uh, and one it of the worst... It is in the worst... bottom five... Yeah, one of the worst oh, it's people. It's in the bottom five of anything on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that feels one right. One of the worst people. One of the worst people we've done this for, for sure. Uh, talking about, obviously, uh, Papa Jolie, uh, actor Jonathan Bonathan Voigt. Uh, just the scum of the earth. Just absolute despicable fucking, like, beach ball, no, volleyball looking... <laughs> alt-right fascist motherfucker John Voight in the news You know, this really couldn't have... It couldn't have come at a better time because I I randomly texted Henry that we should watch this horrible abomination of a film and then that very day, I believe, John Voight took to the internet with a pretty buck-wild crazy video and uh, the co-star of this movie, Scott Baio, is uh, firmly in that same... A very right-leaning camp, so I'm sure they had lots to talk about on set. Yeah, man. Uh, That and, like, what it's like to peak in the 80s, too. That's an interesting thing they could have talked about, too. Uh, There, so this this movie, so we're talking about, uh, I always want to call it uh, Baby Genius's Two Super Babies, because that's the way the movie should be titled, because that's how sequels work. Yes. But in fact... We are talking about Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. Yep. Uh, Okay, so there's like uh, five of these. And I just want to tell you, this is how the rest of these work. Baby Geniuses. Okay, Baby Geniuses, Super Babies, colon, Baby Geniuses 2, which is just not how Mm -hmm. that works. And then it's Baby Geniuses and the Mystery of the Crown Jewels, Baby Geniuses Mm -hmm. and the Treasures of Egypt, Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby. And uh, spoiler alert, John Voight is in all five, playing different characters in all all five movies. All five movies. Wait, he's in the first Baby Genius? He is in all of the Baby Geniuses. But different characters. So they're not, it's not a single universe. It's like, it would have have to to be multiple universes. Yeah, it's like they're just doing like single episode. It's like a single episode standalone thing that exists with a common thread, I believe, of one baby in particular who's not a baby at all. He's like seven years old, and his name is Kahuna, inexplicably. Mm-hmm. Uh, As we know. Yeah, he's a As white baby named Kahuna who might be yep. German or Irish. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> 
it feels, I guess, knowing that, it makes it feel more like this is all, like, really long sketch comedy. If you keep having, like, costume and character changes, but with the same actors, the only explanation yeah. is that it's a really long, slow, drawn-out sketch comedy. Although, obviously, they have to switch out the babies because you don't stay baby for very long. I guess Kahuna does. Is it the same actor or three actors that play Kahuna? Or do they Ooh, keep switching out new know. Kahunas? Oh, my God. So, like, they did, they did the first two. Uh, super Baby Geniuses and then Super Babies, Baby Geniuses too. Those were like one after the other. And then almost a decade later, <laughs> they came back to revisit the franchise with Baby Geniuses and the Mystery of the Crown Jewels. So I don't know what happened between 2004 and 2013 to make it impossible to make another Baby Geniuses or to make it very necessary to make another Baby Geniuses, but something happened in the interim, and I just, I wish I could interview the filmmakers. Uh, Director Bob Clark is unfortunately no longer with us, but the producer Stephen Paul is, so he might have some answers. He's probably not up to much. So this fucking movie. uh, Did you watch Baby Geniuses 1? Do you have a sense of what, like... No, I'm going in blind like you are. I have no clue how much of this they could have possibly explained in the first movie. But I don't... I don't think it really matters. They do offer an origin story halfway through the fucking film. I mean, so as far as I can tell, the central premise wherein the geniuses lie is not that the babies are geniuses at all, but it's basically like a a very light action version of Look Who's Talking. Like, they don't do any genius things. It's just like the babies are mumbling at each other. No, actually, it's a baby language where they talk in kind of like sometimes a sort of erudite, like dorm room philosophical bullshit, but they're not smart. There's nothing about them that's smart. They're just talk to each other yeah they're not like they're not creating robots or life uh prolonging elixirs or there's one child who is a man and we're gonna talk Mm -hmm. about that later but the, the babies that were introduced to at the beginning of the movie are just babies that can secretly talk to each other with like yeah like you were saying the vocabulary of probably like someone who's in their freshman year of philosophy using some words, right. throwing some words around. It's like, really the correct title would be like baby adults. <laughs> like they're not geniuses. They're no. just adults they're in just, baby bodies. They're functioning adults that uh, no one else can understand. And they're doing, so this is 2004. They're doing that thing where they animate the lips to move on a baby face that's just there. And sometimes mm-hmm. it kind of works because a couple of the kids are a little bit more, I would say, expressive and move their faces around. And sometimes you can tell that they're actually delivering a line. And sometimes you can tell they just sort of move their face around in a way that they can make it look like they're delivering a line. But man, a couple yep. of those babies, though, it's just a kid's face com- remaining perfectly still. That little baby, I think it's Finkelman. And they're just mm-hmm. animating this tiny, tiny little beehole of a mouth in the center of his face, and it's horrifying. Yes, Not a yes, fan. correct. Finkelman, who is the least useful baby by far, they even turn him into a super strong baby, and he doesn't do anything. He still sits in a no. corner. Like, the, I don't know why they cast this non-corporeal potato child to be in this <laughs> major motion picture. 
non-corporeal. So, yeah, it's uh, it's he, like okay, watching right, so the, kids act is rough in the best of circumstances. Like you really mm-hmm. have to nail it and get super lucky to get a baby that can do some anything on cue. And all of these kids were clearly just looking off set and kind of fidgeting around and then like playing with their own arms and they just animated uh, a lot of dialogue onto those faces it's a lot yep but that's so we sh- we should walk through this setting stuff yeah let's walk through no, yeah. the plot <laughs> yes so uh so Scott Bayo and his wife yeah are they well so they run a nursery kind of they do own a nursery which i guess scott bayo inherited from his dead brother dead cousin from the last brothers not there yeah the brother's just not there for some reason there's like soft focus pictures of him that suggest he's dead but also this is a Mm -hmm. children's movie or is it we should talk about that later Uh, that is up for a discussion so they run this this or this nursery and they have some babies in it that are they have like four main character babies that they pay attention to and then a bunch of other babies that do not participate and are like m- never even mentioned really they're just background babies no, and background Scott Bayo and his wife are like pursuing some kind of business integration with a multinational communications company also never explained uh, and meanwhile <laughs> the babies <laughs> this plot okay sorry it they they have a they have a daycare called bobbin's world which is just which is just a bobbin's get... world reference it has to be right <laughs> right i hope so and then <laughs> this is weird howie mandel property from the early 90s <laughs> they they have decided i'm assuming without any of the parents permission who let their kids come to this fucking daycare that they're going to televise the babies to other babies in other households around the world. This is oh, the is big that plan. what the is that what yeah. it is? It starts out okay. They, so it's like a giant baby Zoom conference, and they're just gonna have an epic baby Zoom call because they're gonna have satellite set up and they're gonna have like secret um, cameras monitoring the kids in this house all the time, and mm-hmm. they don't seem like they need to discuss the ethics of just recording other people's toddlers all day but that is the premise and they involve the help of a guy oh what's his name what's john billy biscayne name biscayne billy biscayne i believe billy biscayne uh Uh, gentleman with a thick german accent who's going to help them on the road to development of this multinational baby conference Yes, so we learn about that, and then we flash back in a narration by one of the babies talking about this other baby named Kahuna in 1962 breaking into an, uh, an orphanage in East Germany and frustrating mention, a bunch of... Yes. We should mention Please. first that these babies are just in a daycare, and then all of a sudden a larger kid arrives, and they're like, he's here! Kahuna's here to save us, which I, I guess if we had seen the first movie, that might make more sense. But now there's just this like seven-year-old child up in the mix who kidnaps the kids mm-hmm. and 
with the help of a teenage babysitter and brings them back to his lair. He has like a bat cave. But like and... a Willy Wonka's chocolate factory bat cave. Like it's just you mash those two ideas together. I think that it's like if the ride It's a Small World was mm-hmm. part of like an old casino and that old <laughs> casino was located in a flooded basement. It's underneath dingy. the Hollywood sign. Yeah, underneath uh, the Hollywood sign apparently. Right, and, and he has so he has these underground baby caves in terrifying. And this is baby made explicit. Cave. That thing is bleak. He has them in Switzerland, China, and Argentina. Specifically, and underneath the Hollywood sign, <laughs> specifically those four places, the four most strategic yes. locations you can have. Hollywood, <laughs> Switzerland, mm-hmm. China, sure. and Argentina. Uh, yep. Again, so it feels like this movie was just, it's a little bit Mad Libs, a little bit just like first draft written over a 24-hour, sort of a NaNoWriMo movie, but then they just mm-hmm. shipped the script and filmed it with like A-minus and C-minus list actors. Uh, but we were introduced to Kahuna, I guess, the second time around in this flashback to East Germany. Uh, and there's a thing that stuck out at me from the very beginning where they talked about that he rescued... Uh, or no, that the, uh, the Biscayne, the Kane character, John Voight's character, even captured orphan babies trying to escape through the Berlin Wall. I'm sorry. Come again. He captured orphaned babies yep. trying to escape the Berlin Wall. Were they crawling through the Berlin Wall? Like, who's... As there's escaping adults, somebody, John Boyd is going there with a fucking butterfly net, grabbing orphaned babies, trying to crawl through the bottom of the Berlin Wall. Like, it's a wall where they try, like, I guess they're small, they could get through the barbed wire, but they'd have to fucking be prehensile like spider babies. And there are spider babies in this movie, by the way, but it's yeah, not oh, a universal there are spider thing. Babies. It's, it's just Kahuna. Uh, yeah. So we're introduced yeah, so to Kahuna. Kahuna, who it's important to note when when you're offering some backstory on a character that you've set up a movie with a particular audience in mind. Perhaps I could be wrong, but the first thirty minutes of this movie is toddlers and baby talk and lots of bright colors and Babies saying things that sound kind of adult, but not that adult. And then suddenly we're talking about, like, a. I would say that it's like a Nazi flashback, because there are all indications that Kane in the 1960s was a Nazi general, but that wouldn't make any sense. So this nope. movie's doing some stuff. The chronology does not work. Uh, I have a whole set of questions about how old (laughs) Kahuna is. So Kahuna is a, uh, like, yeah, I think he ballparked seven, seems about right. He appears, he presents as seven years old. He's this little, extremely Aryan blonde baby, uh, but, you know, a Uh, Mm seven-year-old, whose whose name is Kahuna, like a blonde baby usually is named, especially one born immediately after World War I, apparently, uh, whose yep. brother's name is Kane. Uh, you know, how you name your children Kane yeah. and Kahuna. Uh, 
he's it's entirely possible that super baby or sorry baby geniuses one might explain why his name is kahuna perhaps it's a nickname there's no way of knowing and i don't care let's just keep it's he's given a whole backstory so he's i I was really curious because he's he's like seven years old in 1962 and you flash forward to 2003 2004 uh, and he's still seven years old. So, like, is this is this an ageless, like, immortal baby? Uh, is this movie just mm-hmm. not give a shit about the chronology at all? And the answer is yes to both. Because the backstory says that he's born uh, he, after World War One. that his, his father was a, a, a scientist working for the Americans at, in Germany after World War One. Mm-hmm. Don't think there were American bases in Germany after World War One, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he, his father is Irish. His brother is intensely German. And yeah, he drinks, his teenage brother is very German. And he dr- basically, like, imbibes Mountain Dew, uh, this, like, super Mountain Dew formula that gives the crates a fountain of youth. He drinks it when he's, like, one or two. Very and small, then, yeah. Very small. And then he's frozen at seven years old. We, like, flash forward to when he stops aging. But it's not when he drinks the thing. It's... <laughs> As far as I can tell, it's many years after he drinks the thing that he's progressing as usual and then just stops at seven. Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. And, okay, so based on the chronology of this movie, based on the backstory that they introduce in the middle of the movie, I have to assume a couple of things. One, that none of this... None of this backstory applies to the first Baby Geniuses. So the first movie, it's entirely possible, is just a fun <laughs> romp with babies and is kind of a dumb movie, but it's centered on baby stuff. And then the second one, they were like, guess what? Stakes are higher. This is actually about a baby Nazi and then or a baby who's fighting Nazis starting in 1940 and continuing up until now, searching the world for a man named Cain. They also reveal that Kahuna's like in his 70s, which creates a very dark, very sad thread. But <laughs> if you watch true. the movie knowing that, going into it, that he's a little guy that looks like he's seven and he's lived out 70 years. He's a senior citizen. This is like mm-hmm. the darkest, most depressing movie ever. <laughs> There's a lot of weird pieces of his. I was really trying to pin down his age because if he was born, this the the teenager like his teenage butler, I guess, his sort of Alfred character mm-hmm. uh, named Zach, uh, who's straight out of like Saved by the Bell, the the millennial generation or whatever the fuck. Uh, he's he says that uh, that Kahuna is over seventy, yes. but like chronologically, but the math does not a, add up. He should he's be like at least 62. 80. Well, no, because he's born in 1920, probably, because it's like right after World War One. So he's born in 1920. It's this movie takes place in George oh W. My Bush's God, president. They so say it's that at least he was born right 2000s. after World War One. Yeah, they. I I would have moved oh. past it too because it seems like World War Two the way that they talk about it. But yeah. no, because his what? his brother is in his 40s by after by the, the 1960s. Right. That's so. True. Like, I thought maybe they so wanted my, to age him back, but you can only age John Voight back so far, and that they fucked up. But yeah, you're. That makes sense. No, it is. It's like it's 1940s, and his brother is 40. But they also don't age him up that much either, because John Voight is like 
at most in his mid-60s by this time. Wow. And John Voight is, hell. like, presented as the older brother. So, like, Kahuna is simultaneously, like, 85 and 60, but they say he's about 70 because nobody even <laughs> sat down and did basic arithmetic on this fucking movie. <laughs> they could have written it all out to make sense. That's the thing. It's not like they were painted into a corner with the actors they had. They could have just changed the backstory in one sentence and not have this situation that's, like, driving me crazy right now. Yes. So confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, we get treated to a young-ish John Voight with a blonde hair, and, man, anytime Hollywood decides to put someone in a blonde wig, it's just chef's kiss. Uh-huh. It's unsettling. <laughs> it's mean to them. It's mean to the audience. It's great. Yeah. It is. It's fun. Um, oh, they also I have a piece dress- of trivia for oh, you about John yes. Voight's character. Uh, so this, he's playing like, granted, it's supposed to be 1962, so none of this makes any sense, but he's playing basically like a, a Nazi general. Like, we can all agree mm-hmm. that's definitely right. the yes. character he's channeling oh, yeah. in the movie. He and steps. it makes sense because... He based his character, and this was a personal decision, on Josef Mendele, who is also known as the Angel of Death. He's a Nazi war criminal scientist who did horrible experiments on twins. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. props to John that Voight. That all comes through in this children's movie. Really, really good choices, John Voight. Hey, um, we know things can't be going that well because you are currently in Super Babies 2 and you're getting ready to sign on for three more, but you decided to base your character on a Nazi war criminal referred to as the Angel of Death for Baby Geniuses too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he... So I will hand this to John. This is a weird movie to experience because I found myself rooting for John Voight, who's clearly the villain, but, like, by far the most watchable part of the movie. Like, he's chewing the scenery in a way that I... I hate him personally. I found this enjoyable. And that Scott Bayo is the voice of reason the entire movie. He's the one being yeah. like, none of this makes any sense. What is a kahuna? What just happened in all of this? <laughs> and like, I recognize that as the audience, we're supposed to be like, oh, Scott, the dad doesn't understand. But no, it makes no sense. He's the only one responding the least bit rationally to what's going on. He's raising important questions. Um, yeah. So much going on with this, and it's just, as a side note, why did they put John Voight in so much plastic clothing? Did you notice his costumes were, like, always the most crinkly pleather that you could possibly obtain? I love <laughs> all of his like costumes. A, he's got, like, the, a kinky kinky boots vibe going on. He totally does. He's, he's got this, like, full-body tweed suit that he wears for most of the movie, except for this one, like... Darth Vader patch of leather over just one part of it. Like, yeah. whoever made the, the costuming choices for this movie is a is very strange, and I want to meet them. Uh, there's also, there's a it scene looks that like I really... like he bought his costume at the Dollar Tree. It's like all just pleather and cheap, mm-hmm. cheap fabric, and it makes sense in the context of this terrible movie, but also, like, that's a human man who's won an Oscar. They just put him yeah. in a plastic suit. I mean, you you gotta cut the budget somehow. You know, you gotta find you ways do. to trim. So yeah, okay, you gotta so trim some fat. We, should, we should maybe return to the plot just to like get it out of the way. So 
Mm-hmm. Kahuna is trying to foil John Voight's plot to infect mind the minds. Control. To mind control all the babies. Because, you the know, people obviously. The all the people. Not just Well, eventually babies. he says all the people. But, like, for the first two-thirds of the yeah. movie... He is very yeah. explicit that it is to control the children. <laughs> and then at the it's end, true. he's like, psych, I was lying to everybody. I'm doing the much more obvious thing, which is controlling everybody uh, via with satellites. And, uh, and he's like... Yeah, that's like, a good question because I had to write down like midway through the movie, like, what could mind-controlling babies possibly achieve? <laughs> what could it achieve? What could he do with that? I mean, granted... He's experienced babies that can, I guess, break through or crawl under the Berlin Wall. So he's accustomed to a different type of baby. Right. A higher league of baby. (laughs) But his initial plan is just mind control all the kids that can't control their limbs yet. So, confusing. Yeah. Go on. So this this movie, we're going to have to digress for a moment. Uh, This movie does take place in an alternative universe where babies are, like, not just super powerful, but, like, super tied in to, like, the world government structure. Because <laughs> yeah. they're in the in the East Berlin... Fl- well, one, Kahuna talks to George W. Bush and Whoopi Goldberg constantly. Uh, he does. I guess every Monday. And in the flashback sequence, when he's, like, he's breaking all of these orphans out of East Germany, he brings them over to this, like, cutout log in front of the orphanage and says, this tunnel will run straight to the U.S. Embassy. So the, so the U.S. government, probably the Central <laughs> Intelligence Agency of the U.S. government, set up a tunnel running straight from their embassy to an orphanage. Uh, and, like, really <laughs> elaborately. Yeah. That their priorities are, very, like, very specifically baby-oriented. Babies escaping under the Berlin Wall. Baby, like, baby-oriented oh, yeah. tunnels. The entire, like, national security apparatus of the Western world is based on this toddler. Uh, that like we're in this world and yeah where you can control the the world by controlling babies even when he says I'm doing it to control everybody it's still through a children's program right like you'd have to have everybody watching the children's program right yeah yeah and like their main program that they're airing is a guy dressed up a little bit like the frog from uh, like the WB frog and it's just like a man in a suit with like frog hands no frog face just a green terrifying face dancing around on stage and that's the entire show and so i think we are to believe that in order to mind control the world every human being has to be um glued to the television when a frog man is on tv yes this is how Uh, we control the people a frog man who's shaped oddly like grimace from mcdonald's uh the some people are on to Bill Biscayne though, right? Because there is that website uh, of Bill Biscayne, entrepreneur or corporate criminal. The only words on the website with him with a flame behind him and devil horns that pop in and out of his head while he says yeah. "die." And there's nothing else on the website. And he says "die" and money, 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 money. He does money. say money, money, money. That's true. <laughs> but like, if you wanted to learn anything else about like why is he a corporate criminal why does he want people to die i'm sorry you will need to go elsewhere for that because this website is a single page of him saying die and money 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 uh so speaks for itself yep so kahuna 
is trying to uh, to prevent John Voight from being able to take over the world, and uh, and is like sort of in the process of trying to stop the satellite uplink during the launch with Scott Bayo. Uh, he gets mm-hmm. captured in a way that is not really explained, uh, and then the babies have to sort of have to save the world by turning into their super baby selves that we need to talk about a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And then and then the uh, John Voigt leads a small invasion of Kahuna's lair. Kahuna comes back, again, sort of without any reasonable explanation. Uh, and then they defeat John Voigt, and that's the movie. Right? Yeah. Is there anything major yeah. that we left out? Oh, there was some love between the te- between the two teenagers. They have a horny teenager subplot that's just kind of it's it's in the movie for about twenty minutes tops. That basically mm-hmm. Kahuna has taken in a teenage boy named Zach into his creepy underground lair that's just full of water and floating balls and a creepy. Ship right. What's the pearlescent balls? What are they in there for? It looks like those little balls that you would put in a bathtub. But on a larger scale, and then like a like a pirate ship that's like big enough for one or two little kids to have a good time in, but adults are using it as transportation. Anyway, he takes him down to his lair, and then the teenage babysitter of the four super babies, uh, I forget her name in the movie, is... Kylie? Uh, yes. Kylie is, is her name. Is the love interest, and then they get, they get to smooch. And that's, that's They do. Cool. They smooch underneath little, the age. A little something for everyone. Every age demographic gets a little mm-hmm. treat. People who wanted to watch a World War II film. People who wanted to watch a baby movie. Also a superhero movie, perhaps. And then a teen comedy. It's kind of got everything you need. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... They did it. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's an amuse-bouche so what... of movie genres. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have did you have highlights from this complete oh. ball of garbage? Okay, first highlight is that every single kid in this movie is played by a twins or triplets because <laughs> right, nothing no, quite says we're trying to save money like only hiring twins and in some case triplets for every single character in this movie. It's the best. That made me laugh. The main character is played though. by three seven-year-olds. I mean, I that guess they're right. all on screen for quite a bit, so you really gotta gotta maximize that screen time. But I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so there's a chance that this is scratching at a thing that will end very sad. But do we know what Kahuna is? What the Kahunas are doing now? Because they're oh, no. in their twenties, right? Oh, like, I can't believe I haven't Googled this yet. All right, I'm on gonna, it. I'm on it. I'm on it. We gotta dive deep. Definitely get on that. Um, while you're doing that, I would say yes. my other highlight is a line that. That John Voight delivers at least twice, which is, I have a soft spot for the gentle laughter of babies. And he, yeah, says, it, unex- he says it once in a menacing manner when he's in his, like, when it's in the backstory, mm-hmm. dressed in, like, Nazi regalia, basically. Uh, and he's, I think, addressing Kahuna in a, in a scary way. And then he also revisits that line when he's pitching his satellite program to the Scott Bayo's daycare, um, it's the same line delivery, and no one seems troubled by how creepy that is. It made me happy. He's just on TV, 
surrounded by bright primary colors and yeah, with it's, a scary old John Voight face and a thick German accent. Huh. Uh, oh, okay. So the, the kahunas, two of them, the only things they're in are baby geniuses and super babies, baby geniuses too. Uh, and by the way, super babies, baby geniuses too, uh, or no, sorry, baby geniuses. They are a different character. They're not kahuna. They're like a baby baby, which makes sense oh. because there's five years between these movies. Uh, oh. Which is a long time to wait to follow up on the epic hit of Baby Geniuses. Yeah. And one of them uh, plays, this is just one other credit, filmed in 2013, a short film called Millennials, in which he plays Sammy. And it says completed rather than out. So it suggests that this was made, but never released. <laughs> and, then sh- and then shelved. <laughs> and shelved. Ooh, I would love to get my hands on that sweet, delicious uh, cinematic treat. Let's see. Um, All right. So, yeah. Let's see. Highlights. The gentle laughter of children. Let's see. Uh, Oh, (laughs) I really liked John Voight delivers a line when he's back in modern times, I think. And he, I forget when exactly he says it, but he says it to Baby Kahuna. And he says, I will win if it takes forever. Which I feel like could have been included in his most recent Twitter rant. It just sort of fits uh-huh. his character, and it's a really funny thing to say. Um, it's yep. definitely first draft of a script material, and I liked it. There's there's a line. His uh, his lackey, his like sniveling, greasy, weaselly lackey, uh, yeah. at one point says, "Get the baby. He knows something." It's like early on in the movie. Yes. And yes. it continues this like deep fiction of the of babies being like far more important and like understood by the like secret cabal as much more intelligent than we're led on. But this baby also doesn't really know much. Like he's in the room, he overhears it, but that also doesn't alter the plot at all. Uh, it doesn't no. change things in any way. No, uh, he didn't really like understand what he overheard. Yeah, because he's a it baby. Didn't matter. Uh, and he's also very explicit that he's not a smart baby. He's the one that says, I'm not a brain baby. You know, like people say. Uh, you know, that thing that we all know exists. The, the fight choreography in this movie is a highlight for me. It's not yeah. good, but it is enjoyable. There's a moment where, where Kahunas uh, has revealed himself to non-babies. To, to Kylie sees him fighting off four, like, hitmen, I guess, dressed as... Uh, moving work like you know movers i guess they're they're in these large coveralls and he at one point he has four hitmen he has an arm pulled under the other one's crotch and is hitting a fourth one with the third one's foot and like none of that's possible but it's it's somebody made a real effort to make that happen and i appreciate them and i found it almost enjoyable basically all of the kahuna fights they're bad but they're kind of fun it was the slowest fight choreography I think I've ever seen. I would say yes. every every punch happened a lot of times, you know, like we all have seen how movies are made. They speed things up. They make it look more epic and they do slower fight choreography. This I feel like happened at or below the real speed that it happened on set, which is a mm-hmm. seven-year-old pretending to hit like an adult man in the solar plexus and it taking the normal amount of time and then that guy scooching backward and doing a pratfall. It's like the most like languid molassesy fight choreography. 
It's perfect. It's perfect. It is. It is good. I also like, in, during the fights, because he, he drinks his Mountain Dew, and then it, like, momentarily turns him into the, like, personal trainer's hate him ad baby, where he gets, like, really ripped really briefly, and then, like, yeah. back to regular baby size, or, yeah. you know, toddler size. I... The whole, like, Popeye eats the spinach, but with Mountain Dew is, it, I'm not going to say it works, because it doesn't. But it's it fun. does, like, it has an internal logic that almost none of the rest of the movie has. And I applaud it for having some cause and effect connectivity that the movie otherwise rejects as a, as a notion. Yeah, because that feels like the core, I think you just hit what had to have been the core idea that this entire movie was written around. Like, what if a little kid basically cracked open a glow stick, drank said glow stick, and then got really, really strong for a short time? Yeah, that sounds fucking awesome. That sounds Mm -hmm. fun and awesome. And then they had to Mm -hmm. make another 90 minutes happen. So, yeah, here we are. Uh, There's still in that scene... uh, after he's won the fight, he yeah. says, like, everybody get in the car, which I think is the van that's, like, it's the kidnapper's van. Yeah. And without skipping a beat, he gets into the driver's seat, and the teenager gets Fully into the passenger seat. That there's a, yeah, yeah does <laughs> no, not no bat discussion is had. That this seven-year-old is driving the van, and you, <laughs> clearly 16 to 17-year-old teenager, probably with a driver's license, you're in the fucking back seat, lady. Yeah, Baby she just Kahuna's sits there and Sura looks at him like, well, what now? Like, what world is this? Where she quietly accepted that a 71-year-old man is embodying a 7-year-old's uh, physique. Is that the right word? You can't say that about a 7-year-old. Um, body. I think we can say body. Dri- <laughs> dri- dri- driving around in a car and everyone just... And, and Scott Bayo and his wife in this movie also accept absolutely everything at face value after a there very are. brief explanation. They are in the lair watching crazy baby shit happen, and they're just like, huh, all right, well, we're, we stand behind Kahuna, and then they're part of the fight. These are also the chillest people on the planet. There was yeah. a moment where Scott Bayo's wife comes in and says to Scott Bayo. We've lost the babies again, or the babies are missing again. In a way that a person would usually say, like, I can't find my third favorite pair of slippers. Like, completely (laughs) blasé that four infants have gone missing again! Uh, (laughs) Uh, And yeah, and there's there's sort of an internal logic that these are the only four babies because kylie says i'm taking the babies for a walk or taking the babies to the children's museum and i'm thinking like this is a nursery full of like 40 babies what is how's that going to work and then it's just her pushing the four main character babies so is it like yeah. the babies and then like the other kids are those How? their kids? Did they adopt four kids? Because I was trying to figure that out, too. They've got a lot of kids crawling around in that nursery, and then only four of them seem to be requiring any attention. They're off chasing around with these babies, and I don't know who's watching the other fucking kids, but it's definitely not the two people running the daycare. So are those their biological? I mean, not biological. Well, they can't be their biological. Races, these are, it's a multiracial group of babies. Yeah, it's a multiracial. But sorry, are these their adopted kids? What's happening? It. They're, they're, I, I kind we of never meet another wise, parent. But I feel like that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we never meet another parent. So it does sort of suggest that. 
but like they also run a nursery and you don't need them to run a nursery to tell this story if there's four babies that are did they were these babies that just got left at the nursery and so like we have to adopt them is yeah why is these babies and why always these babies why only yeah. these babies yeah 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 so huh there's more because they don't more kahuna stuff they, because the the babysitter's not related to them, right? So that's just a different. Maybe that's their well, the, niece. Yeah, I mean, the babysitter does seem to have some kind of connection to them. She like, might be the niece, and then these kids are either their kids or just the kids that they're entirely responsible for all the time. I mean, they go missing, and then a cop calls them to say the babies are in San Diego. And they're like, let's go get the babies. And they're like, nope, nope, there's a there's an accident on the 405. You can come get them tomorrow. And they are, they're receiving the call, not the kid's parents. So That's true. That's true. Confusing. Confusing to me. Although, although, you know, it is, it's not actual police calling, right? So they are trying to... To, like, yeah, prevent any issue. But, yeah, true. but they never do contact the parents. So there's no parents that oh, need yeah. to be told, your baby is missing for a day. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. So that, yeah, I forgot. That's a fake, that's a fake police officer. They're, they're using, there's heavy use of holograms in the scary baby lair. And mm-hmm. Kahuna writes it off as they're cheaper to care for than pets. And he's just got holograms of a bear and holograms of like a of like an English guy that's going to serve everybody treats, and they're just all over the place to no end. Like that never plays into it. Just holograms, I guess. More stuff to look at. There, there's this goes further because they are all holograms, and the police officer is a hologram voiced by Kahuna. But then the police officer picks up a baby. The, oh my god! <laughs> the hologram lifts a child off of the ground and holds it in its arms. Everyone during the filming of this movie kept forgetting what happened on the previous page of the script, and they had no continuity person, or that person was just like, "Fucking get real, guys! Like anyone needs me here," and they just kept furiously working their way manically through this movie. Ugh, amazing. I never noticed the that the hologram do picks up a human child. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. This movie rules. Um, <laughs> it does rule. There's so many things about Kahuna's Lair. You didn't even talk about the entryway to Kahuna's Lair that's walled with like baby recreations of famous people. There's like a large fat baby Napoleon in there, and there's like a baby Egyptian just like leading up. But he's not a baby, right? He's a 70 year old man. He doesn't have seven. to have his lair be full of baby shit. It makes it grosser because it's like he's a baby. Man, he's a man. First of all, he is a man. He's a man who is who is presenting as a seven-year-old who is obsessed with infants. <laughs> okay, okay. So I 
we were all a little grossed out when we watched Lukuk's talking two or three or whichever one it was that we watched with Danny DeVito doing the voice of a baby, Kirstie mm-hmm. Alley interacting with another baby voice by who's the other voice? Uh, oh, Danny DeVito. It's Danny DeVito and uh, I guess it's Diane Keaton. Uh, and Diane Keaton. DeVito. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was Bruce Willis formerly. All yeah, yeah, of these right. baby okay, talking movies are full of crazy conservative actors, right? Like. <laughs> Without yeah, fail. True. I mean, isn't Danny Danny DeVito's good politics, right? Oh, DeVito and Diane Keaton are yeah. D- setting aside DeVito and Diane Keaton, fucking John Voight, Scott Bayo, Christy Alley, yeah, yeah. Travolta, yeah. I think. Bruce yeah, Willis, um, Travolta, like, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, so okay, they, but like that movie is bad. But they did try something that I think this movie could have benefited from, which is. The baby's mouths don't move, so it's an inner mm-hmm. monologue, and that yes. inner monologue is an adult's voice, which is funny and works a lot better than, okay, I can meet them halfway, that these little super babies could be talking in, like, little baby-ish, they have youthful voices, like, kids did, like, kids right. or adults with childlike voices did the voices for these super babies. All right, Kahuna is just a kid. Couldn't he have had like a man voice to present? I would have thought so. He, yeah, he's an old, old man. He could have been voiced by John Voight, and that would have made mm-hmm. so much more sense. Mm-hmm. But no, mm-hmm. but no. Mm-hmm. Every single thing about him is seven years old, and it makes yeah it so off-putting when you really stop and think about it. Which no one should, but I did a lot. Yeah, it's so in in Kahuna's backstory, there are some moments that I really like. So we talked about the weird accents that his father is American, but has an Irish accent. His brother has a German accent and Kahuna just has a baby accent. Mm -hmm. Uh, As his father's dying, his father says to him, I'm going to quote this directly. You may forever have the body of a child, but you'll always have the heart of a hero. It's the butt to me that gets me there because that suggests the, the body of a child is antithetical to the heart of a hero. That, like, yeah. you may be disgusting, but you're okay. You're like, a human monster, but you could redeem right, yourself. Right, but we'll be okay. Uh, and they say super baby so many times about this, and every time I just I lose it, like, a little bit more. Like, every time, a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, there, so... There are a couple things. So after they're in the lair, they're, they're like going to foil uh, John Voight's plan. And there are a couple things that happen there that I really like. Uh, one, they're dropped off in police cars or like in a big police van. The teenager yeah. is dressed up as a police officer, which, you know, he's like, he clearly looks like a teenager, but uh, it's sort of passable. So's Kahuna, yeah. though. Like... The disguise involves this seven-year-old boy dressed up in a police outfit next to this teenager dressed in a police outfit, which really gives away both games. Like, you don't need him in a police outfit. He's also still driving the car. Uh, There's there's a second thing. Which is one of the, yep. I think one of the only truly, I have to assume it was truly intentionally funny. And it might be the only, one of two funny things in the movie. Uh, the first funny thing is John Voight taking on and putting off his 
jacket over and over again as he explains yeah, himself I to Kahuna. It's really funny. Uh, the second mm-hmm. is that as they're about to to like uh, to roll out the new uh, satellite thing, uh, John Voight has them count down from fifty five yeah. in the crowd, yeah. and that you can hear them count down almost the entire way from fifty five. It's so good. And it's, it's such a good thing to do to a crowd of people. That's such a long time to <laughs> count a in a good crowd. Thing. Why not start start at at 10? You know, the choice to not start at 10 and instead start at 56 is like (laughs) a metaphor for the experience of watching this entire movie. In terms of plot, it had a solid 10 minutes. I would give it 15 minutes of like real plot driven content. And then everything else is a countdown from 56 because it's just like, oh, and Mm -hmm. then over here. This baby, who's really kind of a strong female baby, who's uh, straight talking, is a Cupid Cupid baby for no reason. (laughs) And Cupid baby doesn't have powers, except this one time, and two dudes fall in love, and then they pass out, and then no more Cupid baby. I don't know. I have to go home. All right. Let's, since we're here, let's talk about the Super Baby Super character. Yeah, let's talk about the baby machine. You got baby... Okay, yeah. All right, sorry. Let's zoom out. Talk about the baby machine. We should... Give the mechanics yeah. here. I'll, there I'm happy to is, do what you can do. There is within the confines of this horrifying wet, wet lair, um, <laughs> like a, a dais that all of the babies gather on mm-hmm. between like four pillars. And then that thing starts spinning and the kids are like, oh, we're getting scared. And Kahuna's like, this machine will show you who you really are. And, um, okay, so like at the beginning, I think all these babies have sort of some stronger traits. At least one of them does. One of them is the female baby. I think her name is Rosita, and she's kind of like like a tough, physically and emotionally tough little kid. And then there's one named Finkelman who's really nervous all the time. And then there's another one whose name I forget, and he doesn't really do anything. And then there's another one who sometimes says stuff like, that's whack. Like, outdated or, You have the black character that is just real old-fashioned black character in a movie. Yeah, like kind of like a, a 90s black character that doesn't get a lot of time on screen. But then they're transformed into... Brain baby, brain boy. Who is the, brain boy? Who is the little boy that doesn't really do anything, but happens to overhear a conversation when he's sitting under a desk? And even though he is comfortably three years old, he's never not running around in only a diaper. They're all only. They're all wearing around only diapers. Sh- full shirts could be like a work shirt and shoes and a diaper. Like you don't. You can yeah. put pants on a baby. Like, it's not that much more work to put pants on a baby. And at what point do you stop calling babies babies? Because I recognize that they're little, but they're also kind of kids. Like, they're kids that can run around and sort of talk. And, like, I guess not to adults, though. So maybe that's what defines a baby. But these are, like, toddlers. Toddlers that never, ever, ever, ever wear pants. I think they're supposed to be babies. I think that, like, in the fiction of this, this is just what babies look like. Babies are all, like, two, and they don't talk oh. yet. Uh, okay. Yeah, so you're, you're giving birth to a two-year-old, and then they're two for a while, and then they're seven. Uh, so yeah, you got Brain <laughs> Boy, 
You have Baby Courageous, yeah. uh, which yeah. Finkelman turns into and, accom- and accomplishes nothing with it, but he does wear a wig and a muscle suit. You have Cupid Girl. Yeah. And I do like yeah. her line where she's saying, I could be Cupid Girl because the only thing I like better than being left alone is a good right hook. Rosita has good dialogue, and I like it. She's fun. And, she's also the best baby actor. She's definitely the best baby actor. She's the most watchable. Uh, and then you have the black baby. I don't remember his name because they barely teach us his name. Uh, I don't know his name in real life, but I do know that he Archie? turns into Bouncing Boy. Okay, so he turns into Bouncy Boy. But, I don't know if you noticed this, on the screen, when it, it turns to Brain Boy, it says Brain Boy. Turns to Baby Courageous, it says Baby Courageous. Turns into Cupid Girl, it says Cupid Girl. Turns into, and they say out loud, Bouncy Boy. It says Bounce Baby on the screen. Like, they just <laughs> had a different name. <laughs> that they, <laughs> You could have fixed that in uh, post real easy. It's just text. It's just text on screen. That's amazing. Good catch. Um, mm-hmm. So Bounce Baby, a.k.a. Bouncing Boy, a.k.a. Toddler, who for one brief 10-second moment in the movie gets to bounce up and down uh, in a big inflatable suit, and that's it. All the other babies get, like, a, an emotional character character trait or something that, like, embodies their personality, and he's just a boy that goes up and down. Mm-hmm. Or a baby, depending on which version of the script you're looking at. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. So, the, while we're still in Kahuna's Lair, uh, there's a thing that we learn about Kahuna's Lair that I find very interesting, which is when uh, Scott Bayo and his wife are driving to Kahuna's Lair with the babies, they come to the fence, and the fence just falls down. And then they come to the door, and the door just falls down. and <laughs> Or the door opens up. And they're not in, like, a special kahuna car. They're just in a van. That's like they're in a what minivan. happens if you get near the lair. <laughs> so, so his secret lair has two walls that open automatically to any to vehicle. <laughs> uh, also at a popular tourist destination, so that must be Yeah, the fucking Hollywood sign! <laughs> so, oh, God, there's so many more things. Uh... Did you notice, did you have feelings about when they locked up uh, Kahuna in, in Kane's lair? There are a couple um, fun things about that they, that I want to talk about. When they locked him up. Refresh my memory. Okay, so two interesting things happened there. So this is right when John Voight's taking on the jacket and putting off the jacket and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. And there's a, there's a disco ball going in that room the entire time. Uh Never never referenced at all. He just puts on a lab coat and a disco ball starts turning while he plays organ music on a computer keyboard. And then they take <laughs> then they take Kahuna into this, like, lair. He says, did Spider-Man design this room? Which, like, it's just because yeah. there's a big spider thing in it. Uh, yeah. And then the spider thing comes down around him. And he needs to, like, use one of his gadgets to open the spider thing. But... The legs on the spider thing are like four times as wide apart as he is because he's a seven-year-old yeah. boy. So he like doesn't need it to open up. He could just like turn and walk out of the thing. He also yeah, is wearing that cage hand- could, looks like it's made to contain a large animal. Yeah, not a toddler he's also or a seven-year-old. chained up, chained up when they lock him into it, and then when he gets out, chains are gone. Like. Not just not just off of him. Not just like Houdini shit. Disappeared. No longer okay. on his body. 
Well, like uh, I said, every time they film a scene from this movie, <laughs> they take the page from the script that they just finished filming and they light it on fire, screaming <laughs> at each other and say, let's never speak of this again. I forget everything. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's also during that escape. Did you notice the giant gas tanker in front of Kane's headquarters? Yes. Did you expect them to use it in any way? <laughs> I thought that they were probably going to use it. Because it's a fucking gas tanker in a movie. Because it seems like there would be a payoff. Yeah. Was it just there? Would, was, did they just film around a gas tanker parked in front of this building? <laughs> there is some kind of problem with the city of Los Angeles and they couldn't get them to move it. Amazing. It's a fucking gas tanker. You, that's, that's such a weird red herring. Uh, oh for God. only 15 seconds. Speaking uh, of things that happen in the lair, mm -hmm. we have to talk about two cameos. One, Whoopi Goldberg, who appears on yes. a little like satellite television and speaks to Kahuna for a little while about how mm -hmm. he needs to call her back more often. And then mm -hmm. I had to look it up because I didn't, my 90s memory was not what it used to be, but that was O-Town. Do you remember O-Town? That was O-Town. I was wondering yeah. if it was O-Town. Okay. O-Town. Yep. Um, right. O-Town makes an appearance, and they talk to Baby Kahuna, and then it briefly cuts to some footage of George W. Bush before they cut the TV off, just to really timestamp it, make sure that you don't... <laughs> make sure that if the DVD being the clincher, like the most pivotal piece of equipment that you could possibly obtain. <laughs> if that didn't permanently timestamp this in the early aughts, don't worry, because George W. Bush is there to catch your fall. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting choice for a movie, to really just plant tech and politics right there to make you truly understand how old it is. Wow. Yeah. The Okay, so as they're racing from Kane's lair to Kahuna's lair, there is, it's one of the only good moments where John Voigt asks, how many people are in this car? You couldn't get another vehicle. And it's one of those yeah. few moments where, like, Scott Bayo and John Voigt have a couple where it's like, oh, briefly, we know what movie we're in. And we're commenting on that movie from without the movie. And, like, those yeah, are the moments where funny. it kind of works. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, please. What about John Voigt and his henchmen sliding into the lair on those two long slides where it's Moaning. clearly just footage of them standing there and doing this, but <laughs> just wiggling also, back and forth as if they're going down a crazy slide? I also didn't need grown men moaning in this movie. Like, they're moaning Ugh. loud and viscerally. It's, yeah. it's skin crawling. And, all right, so they get in there and... Uh, baby, and like, so they've turned the babies back into their super babies. And uh, Brain Boy says, and this is what, how we're learning the Brain Boy. He's like looking at a book with his, uh, his mortarboard on and says, A History of the Diaper Wars. Hmm. And it moves on. What are the diaper I have so wars? Many questions. <laughs> there, there are diaper wars. Again, this, the like, the. The rich pastiche of this movie where you have babies escaping uh, alone under the Berlin Wall and the CIA creating tunnels to get babies from the fucking <laughs> orphanage to the U.S. Embassy and diaper wars. Plural. Over diapers? Fought by diapers? Yeah. <laughs> fought by diapers. <laughs> so the other thing is 
when the other characters get a chance to use their superpowers, like the, the strong baby, Baby Courageous, obviously gets to use the strength, and Cupid, Cupid Girl sh- uh, shoots a little Cupid's arrow into two of the men who are pursuing her, and it causes them to look at each other and say, I love you, man, and give each other a hug, and then they fall asleep. But um, the smart baby, the brain baby, uh, brain boy... All he does is he emerges from a door, staring into a book, and says, Diaper Wars, and then just kind of totters off. Totally useless. Totally useless. <laughs> so, Good job. Right, right after that happens, so Bouncy, Bounce Baby or Bounce Boy or Bouncy Boy, uh, he's bouncing around, he hits a bunch of uh, the villains, and then he lands at Kahuna's feet, and Kahuna gives him a glass of water. And then says, get back to work. Kahuna does nothing <laughs> throughout the scene, but he fucking directs this tiny black baby to get back to work. Okay, so a 71-year-old man looks at a small, almost infant child bouncing infant. around in his secret lair built at the bottom of a flooded casino in the Hollywood sign and says, get back to work, child human child it's so weird and unpleasant oh man this movie okay it sucks ass but it's also (laughs) awesome (laughs) yeah i had a lot of fun with this movie i had to i was trying to like so you know me i I love terrible things and when jesse re-emerged from his uh from hiding from this movie while it was happening to me asked me how it was and i couldn't come up with a more articulate way of expressing how i felt except that it sucked ass and now i'm finding myself just overflowing with compliments for all the wonderful things that i get to talk about now because dude this movie it kind of no one should watch it but also maybe everyone should watch it it's very discussable uh yeah i have two more questions about how all of this works So question one is, uh, so Kahuna at one point, like as he's convincing the babies to get, to like turn into their baby form or their, you know, the super baby form, he says to Archie, Archie, you believed in me when nobody else would. Kahuna's not in the scene where he's telling, where Archie's talking about the existence of Kahuna to the other babies, which means that Kahuna is spying on the babies. Or he's omnipresent. Is he watching all the babies at the same time? Because he does have all those TVs everywhere. Like, is he spying oh, no. on every baby? Is is this a 70-year-old man dropping the baby's body, spying on every baby in the <laughs> oh, world? no. Which oh, is the no. thing that, we're, that we make Kane out to be a bad guy for, right? Uh, Always watching. So that's, so that's one thing. The second thing, at the very end of the movie, uh, we're introduced to Save by the Bell, knock off Zach, and he says that he's found that Kahuna res- rescued. Sorry, rescued him. Let's talk English yep. from a mm-hmm. Russian orphanage, and he doesn't know where his mother is. And then at yeah. the end, uh, his mother is introduced to him by Scott yeah. Bayo. He doesn't know his mother's name, so somehow Scott Bayo amazing finds a nameless. Russian woman. Russian And woman. brings her to the United States to meet her son. She's, again, she's nameless. At least nameless. 16 years after orphanage. she gave him up to adoption. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like 30. 
So, I mean, I guess that's possible, but none yeah. of it, like, he finds a nameless Russian woman. It's a, it's a big-ass country with, I would assume, a lot of people that gave their kids up for adoption in the early 80s. I guess. It's Cold War, baby. No, yeah. he's not. He's, no. I, no. You know, that's its own movie. That's an mm-hmm. incredible movie. Cold War Babies? That's like <laughs> Cold War Babies. <laughs> Band name called it. Uh, yeah, no. His his subplot is its own incredible movie. Um, there was also, <laughs> while we are talking about that, there's a moment when he goes in to hug his mom, and there's like this awkward little moment of hesitation where, as he's leaning in, and I genuinely thought he was going to mouth kiss his mom, and I like <laughs> raced myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and thank god we're all okay nothing happened it's okay oh my god Oof, but this movie it leaves you guessing what could happen next that's incredible like i said a little something for everyone we've got we've got a, a russian mom reunited with her teenage son plot and a teenage love story and all the baby things and all of the nazi things and maybe a statement on what it means to be a senior citizen yeah also is is Kylie the first teenager that Zach has encountered? Like, he was raised by Kahuna in the lair, right? Yeah. Is he always so? He lives in a lair with a tiny seven-year-old old-ass man, and it doesn't seem like he sees a lot of daylight. Right. He also. This also means he asks out the first human teenage girl that he meets which i yes. guess i would also do if i was a super horny 16 year old who lived with a seven-year-old 17 71 year old uh yeah but it's yeah that doesn't really track does it yeah there's a lot of stuff oh, just burning the script as quickly as you can write it this movie's awesome it was do you know who do you know who directed this movie well i mean bob clark but i don't know anything about him he is the man who made a Christmas story. Come again? Like, beloved, beloved holiday favorite. Yeah. This guy directed a Christmas story. He's also got some other, like, he made loose cannons. He made porkies, like the 80s teen sex comedy porkies. This guy's like a real director, though. Like, a pretty famous one. He has a whole slew of other things, but those are the three that I recognized. And, like, fucking Christmas story director made this movie. Huh. What? What? Huh. Uh, the writer, the writer who brought this into existence, not a lot of. It actually made me laugh when I googled what the writer <clears throat> had on his old dossier. We've got Karate Dog, a bunch of straight to video like kids things, and then just a long list of Miss Universe pageants and Disney parades. Which it it makes sense, but it had never occurred to me that they need a writer for that. And that was mainly his source of income. So the guy that writes the Disney parades and Miss Universe wrote a movie about tiny babies walking on the walls. That that feels right. That feels, it feels right. Perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, this movie cost twenty million dollars and it only made nine and a half back. So that's pretty solid flopsy do. That also that, I'm, I appreciate that. That's how that worked. Uh, yeah. That- that's, but that's the what real it injustice, the real injustice is that it was nominated for four Razzies, but it didn't win any because Gigli came out that year. Oh, brutal. I know. Oh, that is it hard. Really, it, deserved, it deserved something. 
And it feels like something Scott Baio would have shown up for because he needs the exposure. Something. I guess this would have overlapped with his Arrested Development days, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 2004, that seems right. So it's a pretty good blah, time blah, for Scott Baio. At that time. Yeah, not a bad time to be alive with Scott Baio. Yeah. Uh, there so are just I've got, so many fucking... Five. Got some, five of these. Go on. Oh my God. I've got some plot keywords, that. and I've got some parental guides. Now, now, neither of them... I gotta say, neither of them are that great, so I'm gonna just give you the best ones that exist. In plot keywords, we have diaper, uh, colon in title, movie flop. Wait, what? Colon in title is one of the plot keywords. Uh, (laughs) Second part, and baseball. Yes. Because, you know, there is a baseball scene in this. Uh, And then Parents Guide, yeah. uh, it is it's clear that there is no sex or nudity. Thank you. Uh, nope. No blood or gore, but there is a lot of slapstick humor. Profanity, no swearing, although there is a little bit of mild name calling. Uh, and very brief smoking, but there is no drug or alcohol in the film. And the frightening and intense scenes, mild. Wow. So at no point did parents need to address the fact that a central plot of the movie is a man who's sending babies off to concentration camps? At no point? At no point did that enter the parents' guide? (laughs) Nope. This parents' guide, this parents' guide really keeps you guessing. It is all over the map. Sometimes very vigilant, sometimes asleep at the wheel. Wow. The, The plot summary, though, has, like, somebody wrote down... A really long, pl- like a, I, I get a fucking like beat for beat synopsis of this film. It is wow. It is like ten paragraphs long, which is longer is it than a it would. Warning. Is it so it, that there, someone can spare themselves the experience of watching the movie? There's a spoiler warning. The synopsis below may give away important plot points. <laughs> Which I think is de- no debatable that that's a thing to give away. Yeah. No. Nope. Uh, it's. I, I don't. What do you even Sounds, write about? That's this? very long. That's very long for any movie for Citizen Kane. Oh wait! Can we talk about the fucking Casablanca reference at the end of this movie for absolutely no reason? What was the Casablanca reference? Like they Why do I remember it? almost word for word. They're like, if you don't get that on that plane, you're going to regret it. Not maybe not today, oh, maybe yes. not tomorrow. But yes, <laughs> who is this movie for? Who do we, like? <laughs> <laughs> that was for the seventy-year-old men who really identify with Kahuna's character and want to revisit a film from their youth. I guess. I guess. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't believe that didn't occur to me. I was like, this is like from a different movie. He's given a very like uh, apt and semi-poetic warning to these small children that they should not stray down the path that he himself chose because they have the ability to still have parental love. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... And then, like, probably a second later, a baby inflates itself and runs into a wall. I don't know. It's just... It feels right. It's all the things you need when you go to the cinema. Was this movie... Oh, it was released in movie theaters. 
Wow. Can you imagine what that experience was like for parents that had to sit down inside of a movie theater and pay real money to sit next to their toddler who was definitely asleep or trying to leave? Because there's no way this this could keep a kid's attention. This movie's not... It's not for for kids. Like, there's... It's definitely not for the demographic that it seems targeted to. Like, this movie would not work for little, little kids. Like, there's so many weird, creepy things about it. There's too much of a plot. It's not interesting enough looking. Like, unless all kids want to do is look at other babies, which I guess they kind of do, but not not for an hour and 28 minutes. Like, or if the babies did more stuff, for? there's a lot of there's a lot of standing around talking moments with the little babies. I agree with you that having the the baby kung fu and the the very very slow, albeit slow fight scenes are still fight scenes. So that kind of stuff can keep it like rapid random movement. <laughs> Those yeah. things are good when you're engaging a young young audience. But um, no no, I think they I think they did the right thing. I think involving concentration camps and war criminals. <laughs> just got to throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks and uh and parents don't want to be bored i guarantee you whatever parents saw this thought that they were slowly losing their fucking mind and they thought they were the only ones and that just must have happened over and over the two thousand times it happened because this movie made no money uh wait okay there's a tagline for this movie that has to be shared Some of them are, as you'd expect it, America's favorite talking babies are back, don't drive, crawl, meet the new generation of superheroes, and the new dirty dozen, dot, 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 time for a change. (laughs) Wait, wait. (laughs) So So. the the only way (laughs) that works at all is if the tagline is exclusively about these babies dirtying three diapers apiece over the course of this movie. I also like that if you're going to reprise Dirty Dozen, even if there were a dozen babies in this movie, that the subtitle would be just time for a change. There's there aren't a dozen characters it's, in this movie. Like There are a dozen distinct characters in this movie, that's true. Um I'm not sure there be, are. I th- I think I think there's oh no you're right because henchmen don't count yeah we've got two parents we've got a bad guy and a sidekick and then the other female sidekick we've got two teens got four babies oh we're we're at eleven Kahuna okay. makes twelve shit we did it yeah right, that's true that is that's a dozen and but what dirty. makes it sad is that someone did what I just did and counted on their fingers and then they came <laughs> up with that title and then that title became part of the movie. The movie of Super Babies, colon, entitled Baby Geniuses 2. Did uh, everyone who worked on set just get to also own some creative control of this film? Because I feel like there were no no's. Like, I don't think that anyone heard the words, no, that doesn't make sense. Ever. No. This... Twilight. There's alternate versions of this movie? Wait. What? What? We're just gonna, we're just gonna see. It might not be worth anything, but we'll see, and we can edit it out if it's not worth like anything. Like a director's cut. We'll just we'll we'll like, see. I'm IMDb is being disagreeable with me. We're gonna get there. Okay, we're going down this some, rabbit hole. Some, though, some good I need radio. To know everything about an uh, an alternate version of Baby Geniuses Two. The U.S. DVD release is a family edition, slightly edited for content. 
Specifically, some material in chapters 21 and 22 and guns were edited out of the film. Uh, okay, that's it? You made Just a guns? baby movie that needed to be edited for content on its own is problematic. But I don't know what content you'd edit. I mean, guns. I don't were, even remember I, guns I mean, in the film. Probably, it had to have been during like the Nazi sequences, right? When like the uh, the German do it. soldiers probably had guns, right? And it and it could be that Kane carries a gun, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think I think it's funny that they only edited out the guns. Yeah. Not the entire upsetting subplot right. of kids Not the Nazis, entering yeah. camps encircled mm-hmm. in razor wire. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, this I I mean this was this is one of the worst movies we've seen, but I also hated this movie less yeah. than a bunch of other movies. And there's I a do, lot I more feel, to talk about at the very least. Totally. And I feel weird how much I enjoyed John Voigt in this fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> it's like he's just yeah, giving an... it his all, and he didn't have to, because the movie's not worth it. Yeah, the movie's not worth it, and he couldn't have been paid much. But I just wonder what happens to a man when he has, like, I don't even know. I forget the movie he even won an Oscar for. It was something in the seventies about Vietnam. I don't care. He's now in five Baby Geniuses movies, and that's where he's at. And then a quick Google showed me that he made another movie with this Stephen Paul character, who's the producer, the other man responsible for this movie. He made another movie with him this year, and it looks so shitty and low budget. And of course, it's 2020, so it probably won't be released for a while. Or maybe it's out and no one saw it. But he made a movie with that guy. This calendar year. Like I mean, his star has been cresting for quite some time. But it seems the, like he's determined to just make sure that happens as quickly as possible. Because he's choosing these things. And they are the worst things. And we know this because it's the bottom five of Rotten Tomatoes, a 0%. And this is one of those rare gems where if you go and look in Rotten Tomatoes, there's someone who works for Rotten Tomatoes that wrote a long review of Super Babies, and it's titled, like, A Slow Descent into Madness. It's a real fun read, but it got its own, like, special editorial highlight because it was that bad. So, John Voight, I have questions, and I don't ever want to talk to you, so I don't want the answers, but I just wish I could know, what did you do that that Stephen Paul witnessed that now you have to do this forever? Wait, he's in a Baby Geniuses television series. What? That's Baby the- Geniuses television series. He plays oh taxi driver God. in many of them, <laughs> and he does he does play the same character in uh, Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt and Baby Geniuses and the Space Baby. He plays Moriarty Ooh. in both. Oh, all right. So there's some continuity in the Baby verse, but only some. Just a tiny bit. A we should. We should probably bring this one to a close. I have no I idea I guess how long this has been, doesn't... but I think it's very long. <laughs> Maybe everyone else doesn't want to listen to me talk about baby geniuses for two hours, but we all know it's possible. Um, before we wrap up, I guess we'll just touch on uh, if you could be any character, which of these beautiful boys or girls would you pick? I want to be the fucking hologram that can hold a baby. That's... It's an, it's, it's an incredible miracle of modern science. I want to be him. What 
about you? Oh man, I mean, I that's amazing, and I'm just so sad I didn't get a chance to appreciate it sooner. Um, I, I, Kane gets turned into a baby at the end, which is a huge bummer. But like, Kane's life's pretty cool. I want yeah, to be the evil dictator. <laughs> he seems to be getting along pretty good <laughs> for most of the movie. I want to. Uh, I want my the pinnacle of my life to be me at war with a seven year old boy, uh, and ultimately turned into a baby that's going to be cared for by my henchmen. I just feel like I don't know. I could use a rest. And also, that'll extend his life a lot. He's gonna be. Li- he's gonna live to be like hundred fifty years old. Yeah, he gets to do. We it know twice. he can make it to seventy. Yeah, time already doesn't make sense in the baby verse, but. We're going to do some real-time warpy shit. And, I, I mean, I think I just get to live for, like, 200 years now. So I, I'm going good. to opt to be the evil dictator in this baby scenario. That's pretty good. He's... Okay, he's also built first in all of these movies. Like, John Voight is the star of all of these yeah. baby movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and usually when you see that, you're like, Ugh. like, when we watch Look Who's Talking now or two, it was... a. Uh, like Diane Keaton gets some pretty prominent billing, like first or second, like second billing to maybe John Travolta, but like she's hardly in it. It's like 15 minutes out of her life. John Voight put in the work all of these times. He's he built doing it. He's built above the title in Baby Three and Baby Four. It is John Voight, Baby Three Geniuses, BSI. John Voight, Baby Geniuses, The Treasures of Egypt. (laughs) They need to figure out how titles work. Because we've got John John Voight, Baby Geniuses 3, and then we've got Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. I guess they're trying to bury the lead on how many Baby Geniuses there are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah. All right. Well... Well, well, Until I'm off to time. go inflate my body and bounce around my house. Uh, <laughs> so I gotta get off. I'm gonna go research the diaper call. wars. I'll let you know what they were and when they happened. Yeah. Well, they probably involved me, the evil dictator, at war <laughs> with many capable babies that can crawl over and under walls. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Well, until next time. Well, until next time. I'll be Henry. I will continue. And I'll continue to be Michelle. And experiment and fast forward to the future of acting. Bye. Bye. Bye.